As you continue to touch on what you're talking about, uh, did you have any like rapper moments in college where you were treated as a rapper instead of Mitch for like once or twice? Like, did you have any of those moments? Yeah, I got to. So the beach was actually featured on the Long Beach State paper uh, edition of the month for like an artist. I was the only child at the time. So that got some recognition and credibility to find the dude Nate who recorded the presidential suite music video. And that saved me money because uh, shout out to Nate, you're a blessing. He did it for free. And so that's the type of stuff that I recommend artists finding those outlets People like that are awesome yeah like are willing to do it for you know free because they want the fun and they want their own credibility as too because he respected me as a rapper and presidential suite was a good song off the beach so the confidence that that came that that followed um like it, it's real then i held on to that that's awesome so i remember we were out with your friends and they were talking when I was sitting next to Fonsworth, like I wasn't there and they were like, oh, they're the guys that are in the rap group. They're beat around the bush. Like they they were like talking about us like we weren't there, like we were a musical act. And and, they were, and the girl, oh, that's the people that Mitch does music with. I forgot who it was, but I thought that that was an interesting moment because no one ever did that when they were referencing to you when we were living in Tracy. No. Oh, God, no. You know, like, I've never, you know, I know you have tons of friends, but I know from being a musician myself that for some reason there is a disconnect from your music to who you are. They support people they don't know, but they don't support people they do know. So I thought it was interesting that they were speaking about you as if you were a part of a musical act, whereas other people wouldn't even respect it enough to even mention it. Or, you know, I got a lot of negativity mentions, dude. Like, yeah. Like, there was a lot... There's a lot of people that I know, you know, just through like through the grapevine and stuff, and people tell me stuff and call me out. And I had to learn to just be numb to that because it was a choice I made. But the reality is being numb to anything is not good for yourself. No, no, no. And I think that that's an overall underlying message of this episode. It's important to have good mental health because what people don't understand when when they're your friend, like friendship begins and ends with where you choose to support someone. If you're someone's friend, then you should support them no matter what they're doing to the fullest extent, not because you don't see it working out. And it sucks that with music, us as musicians... We have so many ups and downs, so many mood swings, so many stubborn moments as artists because no one really understands that you're not choose you're choosing to not take me serious until I do something grand and then you're going to choose to take me serious. But you don't understand that I'm actually trying to get there. I'm not trying to be the most famous person in the world. I'm trying to make enough money that I work at my nine to five, like if I got a promotion, doing music. That's it. I'm not trying to be Drake. I'm not trying to be anyone. They they are who they are. That's great. I don't need 150 million. I just need enough to not go to work because I'd rather do music. There's really no way to make yourself feel happier when somebody is willingly doubting you to your face, would you say? Correct. You just got to take it. Right. And you got to use that for motivation, which I did. 
But my mistake yeah. was that I was numb to it. I didn't talk about it. Because, well, one, I felt like no one, not that no one could relate, but this was just where I, where I came from at the time, I felt like I had no friends. And that's partly why I wanted to leave where I was, came from in a sense. Like I always want to get out, you know, right. to your point, like I came here and people said, oh, that's the people that do music with Mitch. It's like, you would never hear anybody saying that. It, where I'm from, they'd be like, oh, is Mitch still doing music? That's cute. Like, and that's the reality. Yeah. You, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Little do they know that you've invested in this, that you right. performed in another country, put out consistent content for 10 years, and yet they're still treating you like you started. Right. And it doesn't matter. Yeah. You, Th- <laughs> that will always be the treatment yeah. until I get, you know, whatever. I have a number one hit or whatever my name's on billboards and it's like the whole motive and how, how i've mentioned before the motive of you know proving people wrong that's only going to last so long right because yeah. at some point you're going to find peace me i wouldn't say i've fully found peace in this section because there's a lot of things that i still haven't talked about i haven't had conversations with people um, people that were once talking shit about me and my music that say, Hey, you know, I support you now, which that's fine. But I unfortunately don't forget that stuff. That's just me. That's just who I am. So I remember, and, and this, just beyond music, I remember everyone who bullied me in high school, like people I still talk to today. Like I remember every face. I remember every scenario. I remember every person that, you know, didn't support my music in a sense of that's fine people aren't going to support your music i mean in the negative fashion like i i remember all everyone who did and and it goes back to where you know the first question you asked me candy cane rap i put myself in a position for people to not take me seriously so I kind of did that to myself. So I had to hold myself accountable. And that's how some of the ways I've come to peace with it. It's like, okay, like I, I put myself in that category. I, but at the end of the day, I like to think I'm the hardest worker I know. And to say this microphone is for just to put on the show that the dedication I put in improving as an artist and helping not becoming the dude that my friends were helping to the dude that was helping my friends do this to where we were all musicians. Like that's all real motivation I've had. And I'm not, I don't care if I don't get the credibility cause that's not what I've, that's not what I search for with doing this anymore. Like people are going to always judge no matter what, or not really care what you're doing. At the end of the day, I know how hard I worked for this and the people that are, most important that support now or you know i've come around to support they know that too and i rec i just want to say one more thing to those artists that you know you feel like no one supports you that's fine you just gotta you gotta put that on the pen and you gotta write your ass off and you gotta if you want to take this take this seriously take it seriously like i did You, you gotta really commit to it and it's, it's so much fun. You learn a lot. 
it's mentally exhausting and can put you in dark places. But if this is what you want, go get it. Okay, what would you say are some moments that you are proud of? Some musical moments. And uh, you don't have to, like, um, explain the story of it, but, like, I guess a list. And you can include moving to a place, uh, a certain song, or a performance. But what would you say would be some of your top moments that you have experienced because of taking this journey and moving to SoCal this many times that you have? I think Presidential Suite will always be number one. Okay. Because that that was the first song that people came up to me and was like, yeah, you right. Yeah, you right. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I, I got a life of its own. Yeah. And I got to perform that song at my cousin's wedding like two, three years ago. And the song's like eight, nine years old. So because of how much she liked it and how much like that group listened to it. So presidential suite the the music video like that was just the most authentic me having fun of of doing this journey um so presidential suite i would say crunch time with tino i think that because him and i you know we just found this beat like okay let's let's do it and then tino wrote four bars and then I wrote four bars and he was like, okay, we're starting with that and I'm going to follow you. And it was just a perfect like, you know, back and forth, back and forth. And then he was like, all right, Mitch, I'm going to go to the gym. And he put this pressure on me. He was like, write a dope hook and I'll be back. And I'm like, all right, cool. He came back. I did the hook and he was like, oh my God. <laughs> like it was, it was really cool. That moment of crunch time. I think another moment was the process of, I think doing that dude with you too is up there. Cause that was like the process of writing it, the process of writing it or, or, or what? The process of writing it. Uh, the, the, and, and, and recording yeah. that. Cause we kind of did both at the same time. Yeah. And it was like the most easy, just, okay, boom, boom. Wow. That all works together. Okay. Record. Okay, I had to like, you know, because that's not really a flow that I'm accustomed to. So it took me a minute to be like, all right, let me get back to this. And then it was like, perfect. Okay, seamless. So that was a really kind of confidence booster lately for me. Like that was just really cool to go through with you. Um, finishing the beach, that project, finishing it, because, you know, it's your first music project in the world. So... And then Payday music video. I think the whole 6 a.m. experience, because then I got to perform Payday in China. So I think Payday to this date, if we're just talking where it's gone, is my most successful song for what I got to do with it. Because the music video was in Vegas. It, it turned out to be like a little movie. And it was so much fun to record that. The song was fun to record in that entire project I recorded myself and that was also an accomplishment for me because I always needed someone to record me so so just being able to do that on my own was really cool and then getting to perform Payday in China I think that's probably on the level of presidential suite as well right because uh, I mean I think I'm the only person I know that's performed somewhere in China <laughs> like, you know, I think 
that's and that's something I don't really flex, but I I would like to flex more in a sense because that that was really cool. I got to perform, be VIP treatment guest at the job, my job at the time, um, New Year's party, and everyone because it was such a genuine reaction of there's not a single person that knows me doesn't really they understand English they don't really speak it well but everyone just went crazy after the performance it was just an authentic like yeah like I didn't have to worry about insecurities or anything because I was in China performing for people so that was probably a performance high that I haven't felt again that's super awesome because like the the insanity that I was talking about in the beginning is what led you to make that decision. Because if you weren't a musician, there wouldn't have been anything else you could have done to get that type of reception from a whole room. Like, and, and you know, it's funny because it sounds like it's not a big thing, but it was, it's like a huge stage, right? It was a huge stage and there was like a lot of people, <laughs> but, but we're going to put a snippet of that song right here. Okay, let's do rapid fire. Hardest song you recorded? When Laughing is Crying. Easiest song you recorded? On the Verge. On the Verge? Okay, and what would be your favorite track from that project? Star-Lord. Really? Star-Lord? Star-Lord was my anthem to get me to run. Like, I am so happy that that song was first. Um, Even your brother, because your brother mixed that. When I first sent that to him, he he emailed me back and he was like, Yo, man, Star-Lord is dope. And shout out to Aaron. Yeah, <laughs> shout out to Aaron, man. You were a real one for mixing that project, dude. Um, and the the high I got because of how I ended Star Lord, like it was just so epic to me. Like I haven't really nailed an ending of a song like that. I felt like, and I was like, yeah, that's it right there. Um, so Star Lord, and then Payday followed that. Um, what was really, really, um, awesome to hear like that start then, oh, there's the hit quote unquote. Right. Cool. All right. Well, Hey, at Star Lord, here we go. Snippet of Star Lord. What a day now I'm on a new mission. Underdog. Yet the world is never rooting for me. Holding back the arrows, letting go. Yeah, they shooting for me. Hand over my heart. This is not opening ceremony. Pledge allegiance to the Stark. I am man. Where is Tony? Have the world disappeared. It's just me and my thoughts. Company is overrated till I get lost. That's awesome. I, I love that you wrote a song about a Marvel character. Uh, I haven't I haven't done that yet. A real question for you. Do you think that do you think that when people choose to write about characters like that, we kind of run the line of candy cane rap? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so so you really have to show up skill-wise in order to make something like that work, you think, right? Correct, because it falls into a, a white boy 
category rapper of nerd rap. Right. Yeah, which is super popular these days. So right, yeah. and and that's fine. That's actually an avenue I could probably still explore. You probably uh, should. We but, should test that yeah. out. I, I know, uh, low hey, key. We're, we're putting it out into the the universe. We're going to manifest this right now. We're going to put that right. out and see what happens. Yeah, manifest it. Hey, I, I love it, man. That's something new. Um, but the the that wasn't really the image I was going for with this album. Right. Uh, because I felt like it would fall into the category of people not taking me seriously. But that was just that's just an insecurity thing. Because a lot of nerd rappers are taken seriously to a certain degree. Like maybe they don't get as much credibility as Eminem, but Eminem has wrapped in nerdy, showed his nerdy side sometimes, you know? Yeah. He Childish. was, he was in a Robin costume for the, uh, the song with, with, what was it? Uh, without huh? me, right? Yeah. Without me, he was in a yeah. Robin costume. Yeah. And childish Gambino, I think, not to say he's a nerd rapper, but he is an intelligent nerd rapper in camp in some aspects of the bars he says. It's more of a, you know, quote unquote, nerdy stigma that applies to it and with intelligence to it. So, and, and I've always admired that about Gambino. So I didn't necessarily, I wanted to treat it like Gambino camp, not nerd rapper Candy Cane Mitch. So that was my approach with it and how I made it more of a serious tone. I have I have a I have a hard question that I that I'd like to ask you cuz I think it would be interesting. Of course. What have you learned being a white rapper around minorities that you didn't expect to learn, you didn't plan for, or you didn't know before? You know, I think that to a certain degree, I will never be as respected on a minority as minorities may respect one another of, of all races doing hip hop. Because I get categorized as that's the white boy trying to do rap. And whether I'm dope or not, like I'm not a weed rapper, I'm not, you know, spitting gun bars. So there's no like, there's nothing hood about me. So where's that respect going to come from? So a difficult challenge that I had to figure out is, okay, I have to be, I have to rap different. Like I can't be trying to rap like um, Eminem. I can't be trying to rap like Kendrick in a way. I, I can't do that. Is it, it's not going to sound good and it's going to just, I'm always going to be viewed as a lesser and that's fine. Like that's, I, that's a stereotype that I kind of embraced because I wanted to prove everybody wrong. So to, but it was, it was weird because I got made fun of by white people because I did music more than any other race. So in some places, it's been hard for me to find, okay, which crowd do I really, my music belong in? Because it's, I've felt like I've never belonged in any crowd. Do you feel like you had to be your best all the time? Like, you, did you feel like it was, 
it was almost like it was a standard you couldn't keep. Yes. Yes. An unrealistic expectation of perfection. Right. Because the perspective of the hometown crowd is you're never going to be good enough no matter who you're doing music with. There is like them doing music with you and then you doing music with Tino and then doing music with, with, with me and then doing music with other rappers and then there's still no credibility being given your way. It it almost like it has completely to do with you being a white rapper. Yeah, I can't win either way. And and that's fine. Like if that's the motive like I got to use to for fuel to keep going like for sure. Um but and I'm not going to sit and complain that it's not fair cuz you know life's not fair. Like it, that's just the expectation that I have on me. Cool. Um, so, but I, I can't win. And, and that's a reality that took me a long time to come to terms with too. Yeah. Yeah. I completely get it. You know, what's funny is uh, I share with you in that because me being Mexican, it's the same. If I'm not rapping in yeah. Spanish or I'm not speaking Spanish or I'm not like, putting on from my people, then I'm not respected by those people. But even so, our culture is almost widely known for not supporting anyone who dreams in general. So it's like there's really not... And it's like what I said in the the previous podcast, uh, I think number two, unless you... Like, it's not enough to get a song on the radio. Like, if you get a song on the radio, they're just going to say, oh, yeah, but you can't do it again. And if you do it again, it is, oh, yeah, you just got lucky. You know, and then yep. it's like, oh, no, you, you, you just you it's not you doing it. It's because you have good help now. You know, it's like there's almost never, never uh, um, a good response. There's almost never an admittance of you got better. Correct. And I think that that uh, everyone who is so mental health conscious should know that that when you're approaching somebody who's doing something like chasing music, like if, if their actions are showing that they're not going to quit it then you, you, you kind of just should offer support because that's what you would want. I think that that meme that's going around where it says you need to normalize telling your homie he can't rap. Have you heard of those? No. It's a Yeah, I it's haven't. a meme. It's even something that people post like as a hashtag, like, like it's okay to tell your homie that he can't rap. That's a really good meme. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like it, it is super popular, you know? So I think it invokes this question like, like, is it really about skill or does it really have to do with whether or not the person relates with you? Be a little column A, a little column B. Yeah. Because I think everyone will check each side, right? Just depending on who they're watching. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it, it's like you, like you, 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 for instance, like, like Candy Cane Rap is still a song, mm-hmm. you know, like, mm-hmm. I mean, and then you do the beach and then you do three or four more albums and I mean you do an album and then you're on a, a compilation album with a group and you record your own album and then now here you are two more albums in and you have you know worked your face off to get the money to pay for the videos and perform and you take every opportunity thrown your way you don't cower away on songs you know like if that's not enough then it, then it's like you know I think a lot of people don't ever tell themselves is this even the conversation I'm having you know, like, do I right. do? Am I trying to be enough for them, or am I trying to be enough for me? Mm. And then you kind of you kind of lose yourself in that. Yeah, you do, and I think we've all been there. But you know what? The great thing is, I, I think we always get good music out of it, because Tino was there for so long. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like remember he took that long hiatus. Yeah. And then he just came back from it and it hasn't stopped, you know, like, but he had to take a break. So I think it's, it's, it's important. You know, I think what we're coming down to is that mental health is huge when trying to do this specific passion route. Bro. Absolutely. And I'm honestly thankful that we didn't succeed when we thought we were. Oh yeah. I'm same here. Very thankful not not necessarily how situations went down, but just knowing who I am as a person now, experience to who I was back then. It's like you know, I'm granted we're not all ready for change like that, but it's like I'm more ready now than I was then for something to happen. Right, right. And so that's a good thing to touch on. So if you can quickly say, like, what are some other things you're doing that aren't music-oriented? Right. Uh, we mentioned earlier I got some podcasts. Uh, one talking sports, uh, basketball with my boy Matty Ice. Uh, the one with Rack's going to touch upon, like, some real-life kind of more red table talk type of theme to it, uh, which is really cool to get my foot in that door because I want to be more open and authentic of other sides about me. Um Also, I'm working on a YouTube series with my boy, Zach. Um, I'm writing the scripts, and it's going to be utilizing our music. uh, And I'm going to be acting in it as well. Uh, So I got that in the works. Uh, Some freestyle stuff we're working on. I mean, and this is all while balancing a 9-to-5 job. (laughs) That's not really a 9-to-5. You're working like 10-hour days. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. You know, and... Like today, I didn't even take a lunch break. And my lunch was eat a quick 10 minutes before a meeting. So, you know, there is a lot on my plate. But even though it's stressful now, it's not as stressful as when I was in a bad place mentally. Because right. I so, I need to get more sleep. Like that's, that's a problem right now that I'm trying to get better. And I need to, the 9 to 5 is controlling me more then I'm controlling it. But once I get that, like, I feel like I'm close. This is the closest I've been to being in control of what I want to do. And I'm, I embrace it to the fullest. Like, this is where I'm at. Like that's awesome. All the journeys that you and I have had, all the paths, all the connections, all the self doubt, all the half ass support. Like that's that I've, I'm humbled by it. I really am. I'm motivated by it, and I'm humbled by it, and I always will be, and I'm thankful to have gone through everything, you know, a lot of my music experiences with you, because doing stuff alone, I and you can relate to this too, when you are in a down place because music doesn't work out, and you're by yourself, you feel like you're your only fan, that's a dark place, when you've been doing this for a minute, you've been trying, and now you feel like, you know, because you weren't doing music. Tino wasn't doing music. It was the, it, the fan. I had still no support. It's like, you know, and there was other relationship issues I was going through at the time. It's like it was just me. And that was probably the lowest point of my music career is just when you felt like no one's supporting you. Right. But you're humbled by it. No, yes, definitely, definitely humbled. Speaking of support, quick shout out to your biggest supporters ever on planet Earth. And shout out to mom and dad, of course. Yeah, they are the ones, dude. 
They my are mom, the one. My mom didn't want me listening to Eminem. I wasn't allowed to listen to Eminem, and now I have the most Eminem rap songs memorized more than any other artist, except for Drake. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's a gift and a curse because you're definitely going to go through a lot more negativities than positives. And you're going to take your lumps, and it's how you handle your lumps and you learn from it. That's going to make you a great artist because it's more of who you are becoming of you and learning from those mistakes. Yep, definitely. That, and that's what this whole podcast has been about. So all in all, talking about everything that you went through and the growth and, and, and kind of us relating with the ups and downs that I went through that, that I've explained in this series coming now to this end. I'm not going to leave you with a question, but uh, what what I do want to acknowledge and have us say is the craziest thing about this is that we went to SoCal to do most of this. And that's kind of like the point of it. It's crazy that we have this crazy idea that going to another place to have experiences, just human experiences with music is is like the beginning goal of every person's journey uh when you're in california specifically and you're going towards music so with that i think it's interesting that um we went through all that stuff and we're still doing it here and we're still moving around the world and we're still doing things but with with, with that being said i think that the coolest thing about a musician's journey is that we can sit here and reflect on it and learn from it like right you know, because we're, we're helping other people learn from this. So with that being said, I, I want everyone to to uh, understand that we may not be where we want to be, but we are not stopping until we get there. And that is something that keeps us going every single day. You can call it a Mamba mentality, you know, because the, those mentalities are legendary. And that's what we aspire to do. So with that being said... We're going to leave with the last track that we did. It took us a couple hours to do it. We wanted to create something fun to start off the new rollout for Mitch and his music. This is That Dude. It's a beat that I produced. It's a uh, track that we worked on. And uh, here it's going to be a snippet of it to end out the episode. But more importantly, I just want to say thank you to all the people that we talked to, that we connected with in that time, that we learned for all the music that was made because it was a wonderful journey. And I got to spend it with a good friend. Thank you, Mitch, for being there too. And uh, I really hope that when people listen to this, they understand the empowerment of really just supporting someone, no matter what they choose to do, if it makes them happy. Because this musician's journey is not over, but it is really, really hard. (laughs) So thank you, Mitch, for staying plugged in. And everyone else, you know what to do. Stay plugged in. That was well said. Thought I told you I am that dude, it's your guy, McConaughey, Matthew, you chose the boy next door, Corey Matthews, swear I thought I told you I am that dude, yes, yes. I am that dude, yeah, you dead to me, you are that rude, see me going up, that's why you in a bad mood, looking at me like, damn, I could've had you, thought I told you I am that dude, yes. 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 Yes.